Artificial Intelligence for Kids? Today on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm your host, Pius Wong. Recently, I spoke with Hansel Hong, CEO of the San Diego robotics education company called Robolink. Robolink recently introduced a new product meant to teach kids how to program artificial intelligence or AI into a self-driving robot car. Listen to our talk with Hansel next. My name is Hansel Hong. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Robolink. So Hansel, what is Robolink? Yeah, so Robolink, uh, we are a robotics education company. Uh, we made uh, so far two different products. Uh, one was a robotics product that teaches students how to build and program robots. You can make 11 different robots with one box and then learn how to do programming using uh, something like Arduino. And the uh, second one, we have a code drone, which teaches students how to do programming. Uh, and then once you program, the drone will be flying the way that you program it. So we provide all the curriculum how to do those and students can learn how to do those fun stuff. Cool. You're really an educational technology company. Yes, and we are. That first product you mentioned, that's the Rokit Smart. Is that right? That's correct. So that that uh, product seems to be, it teaches kids, it sounds like, younger people how to code and kind of manipulate mechanical things. And your drone, is that more just focused on programming? That's correct. Yeah, our Rookie Smart, you can kind of think of it as a erector set meets Arduino. Um, so like for the old timers, um, those are metal pieces that you put together with the erector sets, but you couldn't program it. But uh, we made it so that you can learn how to program as well as building. And we provided all the instruction how to do it so that students or teachers can use those easily in a classroom setting. You've built these products a couple of years ago, and it sounds like you've had a lot of success uh, teaching kids with it and getting those robotics kits in schools uh, and after school programs. How did it actually start? How did Robolink start? Why did you? even want to do this sure yeah um so we are we are currently in about uh over a thousand schools are using our product now and um, how we started uh was we started uh, as an after school program in san diego we had a prototype that um you know we we came up with for the rookie smart and then we wanted to teach students how to build and program robots. So with that prototype, we started teaching students, initially with the five students that we got through our referral. Mm -hmm. And um, that five students became 10 students, and it became 20. And for past six years, we taught over 10,000 students here in San Diego uh, directly. And that's how we got started. And that prototype that we are using for those students became... Uh, more and more polished, and we put it on Kickstarter, uh, and then that went on on Amazon, and then we are now selling around the world. Yeah, it's a real business. Was your initial mission to create a business, or were you just kind of doing this out of some interest? Um, yeah, it was uh, definitely creating a business, um, and the reason why 
um, I was interested in this business was because of my background. So I went to uh, I went to UC San Diego, and one of the thing that I wanted to do as an undergrad was um, I wanted to do something that's um, about half engineering and half business side. And there was a, a major called management science, which I've been told is half industrial engineering and half economics. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that um, actually for undergrad program is majorly economics. And then when you go on to gradu- uh, graduate school program, then you do more industrial engineering. So after graduating from college i wanted to do somewhat technical stuff but didn't have um training on that so i wanted to make sure that uh students (laughs) that are interested in uh, engineering wanted to provide an opportunity that they can learn engineering uh in a fun way uh in early days so that's how came up with the product and then started teaching students as young as uh you know, third grader in elementary school. You said how your first product really grew because of Kickstarter and you've continued to use Kickstarter. Uh, Just as a side thing, I've noticed that there seem to be a lot of uh, educational products and robotics projects on Kickstarter. Is there something special about Kickstarter that lets these kinds of, of products thrive? Yeah, so for first time, as you mentioned, um, that us there's how we debuted our first product to spread the word um, outside of San Diego where we are located. We put it on Kickstarter, and second and third time now we are actually having an, a third Kickstarter campaign going now. But for second and third time, we realized that there's a lot of benefits uh, for Kickstarter. So one. Their uh, Kickstarter is available globally, so we can tell uh, which countries are actually interested in our product easily, uh, even before when we are having product. So that was really beneficial thing that we can do on Kickstarter. Second, their uh, SEO, searching engine optimization, is fantastic. Mm. So when we actually have a product and when we put it on Kickstarter, without putting too much advertising money on there, our Google search becomes really nice. And obviously, uh, before having a product, um, having the funds to manufacture those is a big benefit for small companies like us. Yeah, because you're only a couple, not a couple, but you're a handful of, of full-time people, right? Right. So we are we are a small startup. Um, so yeah, any any of the capital help will yeah, help us. You mentioned that Kickstarter tells you who's interested in educational robotics products like this. I'm curious, what countries are the most interested? Is it the USA? Uh, yeah, USA is definitely dominant space for our our company, um, and it's also Kickstarter's demographic. US is a lot stronger, so that is that. But other than U.S., we actually got a lot of uh, backers from Australia, Germany, and Japan, and some of those became in like countries like UAE as well. And some of some of some of those uh, backers became our reseller in those uh, countries. So um, it, it's a good 
the testing place before launching your product. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. And it probably helps that because you're in San Diego, that's kind of a technical town, right? It doesn't have the same reputation as maybe Silicon Valley, but would you say that San Diego really helped uh, help you develop a, a product like this? Yeah, I think so. We are we are actually located. Um, we are surrounded by a company called Qualcomm. Um, the huge company Qualcomm, yeah. Right. So there's like I think there's about fifty buildings around uh, our office. So it, uh, especially within the area that we are at, there's a lot of technical people here. And um, for many of our projects, uh, we've been actually getting a lot of help from the community here as well, like engineer at Qualcomm, engineer at Sony, and engineer at um, you know other places actually helped us here and there after their work. So yeah, we definitely did get a lot of help from community here in San Diego. You mentioned that third Kickstarter that you're on. Uh, I saw that your third product, you, you should... Uh, tell me about it, but it's already funded on Kickstarter, even though you're in the middle of that campaign. What is this new product, this new robot or kit that you're uh, that you've got on Kickstarter? Sure. Um, so we've been seeing this whole movement with the AI and self-driving car growing. Um, so we actually started uh, from our education space where we teach in San Diego. We started teaching some of the students how self-driving car works and AI works, and it got really good uh, attention from our parents and students. Um, so we decided to make a self-driving car educational kit called Zumi. Uh, it's Z umlaut mi. So it's uh, called Zumi, and uh, we wanted to make sure with the growing of self-driving car and AI, we wanted to make sure students will be learning those in early age, especially the AI. A lot of people say it's going to be one of the largest invention of the human history, even more than electricity or internet and things like that. And not knowing that is scary to me. So we want to make sure <laughs> teaching students in early age is very important mission. Um, so yeah, we created that, um, product called Zumi and we launched it about two weeks ago. What does Zumi look like? If, if you were to describe it to somebody, you can see it. Sure. Um, so Zumi is, um, so it's a car, uh, and it's a car with, uh, OLED screen. So Zumi has an eyes. Some people say, I, f I forgot the name, heart. Harpy or something, the car, um, and then it, oh, like Herbie, yeah, Herbie, yeah, some that movie, yeah. So some people mentioned that it looks like Herbie, um, and then there's that um, little bit more kids friendly looks, kind of like the Disney movie Cars. Mm. So it fits in your hand. Yes, definitely. So okay. it, it's a small thing, and that that form factor was very important because. We wanted to have all of our kids um, or teachers not limited by the space. So it's very small, something that can fit in your tabletop. And it's powered by AI, artificial intelligence. What is AI and, and how do you teach that? Yeah, so it's, it's actually a very complicated 
um, <laughs> question. Um, and then I realized how hard it is uh, recently explaining this to people. But in terms of hardware, something that people may be more familiar with to begin with, it has Raspberry Pi and it has Arduino compatible board um, so that you can operate those. So there's something that people are familiar with. And then in terms of the AI portion, we connected some of the tools that's used in the real industry, like TensorFlow, Keras, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what is AI? I'll say the main purpose of AI is that unlike the traditional programming, in terms of the education perspective, unlike uh, traditional programming where if you put an input, outco- uh, output is somewhat expected, AI would be... Um, sometimes when you give a lot of input with the data, uh, output could be a black box that you don't know. Um, so like AI, with the AI, you can make, uh, Zumi can make decisions and sometimes unknown things will be happening. But we are trying to teach students uh, and teachers how to maybe better control that AI and understand the fundamentals behind it. Mm. I think that you're exactly right in that it's sometimes hard to talk about, especially if you were to explain it to a kid or someone who's never dealt with programming AI. Um, What's an example of what Zumi can do with AI that another robot couldn't? Like, for example, your co-drone can do some stuff, but it can't do this because it doesn't have AI. Sure. So... With uh, So essentially making a decision is the key aspect. And then one of the examples that we put it on our website, uh, on our video, is uh, differentiating two different objects. So there could be a Lego person, which, you know, Zumi should never be hitting. Um, or there could be like a trash or plastic bag that, you know, it's probably okay to... Uh, run over and then if you were to you know if it's actual car and then if you're driving 65 miles per hour and then if there's a person then you gotta either stop you gotta avoid you gotta make sure to do certain actions so that you can you don't run over that person but if there's a if you're driving 65 miles for an hour hour and if there's a plastic bag that's running around then even though it's a object um probably is safer to actually go through and then just run it over. Um, And then it's kind of hard to do it with the traditional programming to differentiate between plastic bag and a Lego person. Um, And that's something that we can do with the AI. So for Zumi, she once you once students actually train okay this a like this is a Lego person, this is a Lego person, this is a Lego person then you can actually differentiate between Lego person and also uh, train plastic bag. Then you can differentiate between those two and then make certain actions depends on what those are. It sounds like you're the key part is that, that training that you're, you're presenting a whole bunch of different Lego persons to Zumi and the, the algorithm itself is figuring out what makes up a Lego person. It's not like, you as the programmer have to program all the details That's correct. of the Lego person? That's correct. Okay. 
you know, you mentioned how, um, or I think I read also that part of the curriculum that you provide with Zoomy touches on stuff like ethics. And I feel like AI and ethics goes together so much in the news today. How can you teach ethics to young people with something like Zoomy? So, yeah, it's also a hard question. Um, but um, and then we our team still actually brainstorming on that. It's just such an important thing, so we put it on our Kickstarter. Um, but there's for robotics, for example, there's a three rule where robot can't hurt other people. There's you know there's three different rules that I actually don't remember on top of my head. Right, that, I think it's like Isaac Asimov wrote that or something. One of those sci-fi writers. That's correct. Okay. So just like that, we want to make sure to come up with the definition of ethics. And then uh, a lot of people ask whether AI will be destroying human and things like that. And we, we don't want that to happen, but completely ignoring the AI, um, the potential and this technology, whether we want it or not, it'll be coming. So we want to make sure to teach students to the right direction. And then this ethics mm-hmm. discussion is getting updated every day. And then we want to make sure to teach students the right way. Uh, so we want we wanted to make sure to put those in curriculum. Um, but in with right now, we are still kind of putting those together. Uh, so it's not fully completed yet, though. I think that's justifiable, since I feel like the professional engineers who use AI might not even have. A completely solidified code of of what's ethical in AI. Right. Um, this is kind of a side discussion, but one of the hot topics that I feel like I've been reading a lot about lately is how AI can be trained to be biased, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, how you can ingrain like some kind of bias or prejudice in an algorithm, which is kind of a strange thing to think about and. Um, not that Zoomy is supposed to teach anything about that, but I'm curious if you as a company or as a person, if, if you all have to think about things like that when, uh, I don't know, teaching AI. Yeah, we, we definitely do. Um, there's a lot of scary example that came out through like chatbots and messengers, um, and, uh, computers developing their own language that humans don't understand and things like that. And just hearing those is frightening to me. (laughs) And I'm hoping that, um, you know, that essentially I'm, I'm a optimist and how I think is, is we teach students, uh, we have uh, more, more and more students understanding how AI works and then start discussing these ethics and uh, um, how to react to those and come up with the protocols and things like that early enough so that um, we can detect those um, bad things early enough. Um, but it's, it's such a new area, so um, it's interesting to see those news coming out and then just trying to see what and trying to apply what's best for education Usually education field, as you know, is a little bit delayed than actual technology, how fast technology is moving. But there's still a little bit of time that we have to come up with those contents. Um, But um, 
yeah, so some of those are very scary <laughs> and hmm. trying to come up with uh, uh, better solutions. Going back to the technical side of things, I know that Zumi, your latest product, and even some of your earlier products, they are geared for younger people, it sounds like. But you mentioned pretty industrial technologies, like for your machine vision, you use OpenCV, you have TensorFlow, those things you mentioned. Is Zumi and your products, can they are they only for kids? Should adults or teenagers or older people, can they learn stuff from using your products? So for Zumi, there's actually a lot of capabilities. You know, we can ex- expand it a lot. So it could be definitely used for uh, kids, which we are uh, gearing towards. But it could also gear towards even software engineer who wants to know about AI. But because we are a small company, we can't really do everything. <laughs> so what we are yeah. planning on right now is we make uh, some of the um, development open so that uh, people who are technical can actually hack, hack around and then uh, do the things that they want. But in terms of the step-by-step curriculum and things like that, we are shooting for uh, fourth grader to eighth grader and uh, primary to begin with, and then high school students to follow by. Um, so we are making a lot of those things easy. So even the machine vision and uh, those AI uh, tools, we we are kind of hiding that in the back end so that students can utilize those without um, realizing it. Um, but we will be uh, slowly opening those so that users will be kind of going towards that direction of using. So we, we want to make it for youngest students first and then slowly open it up more and more so that um, older students can use it as well. Okay. Your expertise seems to really be in that educational space. You're teaching little kids or, or people without experience how to use uh, robots and how to program stuff like that. What tips do you have about how to expose young people to technology like this? So what we emphasize a lot is to make sure these things are fun. Um, when we come up with these like complicated missions, um, you know, robots was a lot easier um, initially because students a lot of students that we dealt with they're just naturally like building and things like that but once we integrated programming um how much you know programming that we actually go through impacted you know how fun students were having (laughs) we wanted to make sure to balance those uh two sector that giving actual educational benefits and um, but making sure that these are something fun and this is not another homework that they need to do. Um, so for um, even for Zumi, when whenever we are coming up with the curriculum, uh, we try to balance two different things. This has to be educational, and we try to make a real industry competent, but we don't compromise not making fun. So. Having those two balances is very important. And then for teachers, um, you know, it's hard. So you can either choose the right product to balance this, which balances those two aspects, or you might have to come up with uh, some uh, some 
uh, fun curriculum that students make sure that they are interested in these when they are uh, going through the STEM education. Mm -hmm. Some people might say that to measure fun, I mean, fun is subjective. It might be different for different kids, different people. Is, is, is Zumi or your other products, are they better for certain types of kids? Um, Zumi, we haven't tested too much with the kids yet, but uh, we, we uh, tested with about 30 students so far. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are certain curriculum. What we test is actually not uh, differentiate the demographic of kids, but to see which one works, which curriculum works better for a majority of kids that we are teaching. And mm-hmm. we definitely uh, test out our curriculum. So we come up with something and then test with our students to see that if if they are having fun or not, and then move to next. So throughout this time, what we realized was when whenever Zumi was actually moving, whether it was complicated, whether it was simple, students like Zumi moving. And then it was quite surprising that the uh, AI curriculum that we came out with, uh, students actually really enjoyed learning those. Um, so yeah, it, it depends. We just test a lot of curriculum to students and then we just released a fun curriculum that we found out up to our website. And what's the hardest part of doing this kind of education? Because you create these products and it sounds like you also are running these after-school programs. What's the hardest part of all of this? <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a lot of different hard parts about it. But since I covered the uh, balancing between fun and uh, educational value that that's one thing that's hard but also um making how much control of education experience that we are giving students is also a very hard thing and then what i mean by that is for us when we are developing this kit we take engineering approach and then we fail a lot um and then even that failing aspect is pretty fun for us sometimes like sometimes (laughs) we don't understand why things are not working we expect things to go right but it doesn't work but figuring out and then make sure to make things work is a fun process for our for our team Um, however we don't expect our kids to go through the same experience we want to make sure that students are getting hooked into education a lot of kids these days are very impatient. So uh, first first five minutes of unboxing would be very important. And then once they enjoy that five minutes, then it gets longer to 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and 20 minutes. And then later on, once students actually go through those, uh, students will be enjoying that process of failure as much as we do. But uh as a, a product manufacturer we shouldn't be expecting students to go through the same experience from the beginning because once they hit the obstacles then they might just give up and not come back to uh that product and even more so they may not even enjoy stem which could be very dangerous thing that we will be doing so right so we make sure that at least for first portion of the curriculum 
we try to have them do more of the success with a more controlled environment. Um, and students will be going through and then even, you know, so that they can actually success more. So they get hooked into it, they enjoy it. And then later on, it becomes a little bit more open-ended so that there will be more unknowns. But in the beginning, we give them more of the predicted curriculum um, that they can actually get hooked in and then enjoy the curriculum. Another small question that I was thinking about, I saw in your videos, and you kind of mentioned that uh, RoboLink refers to Zumi as a she, Uh as female. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, so I briefly mentioned it, but we wanted to make sure to encourage more uh, female students to get in. Um, The stats between last six years, we saw somewhere around 13% to 22% female engineers and it's been changing um, but we wanted to like in the USA right? in the US market um, so we wanted to change it and then have more of the female students to get in and um, we've been seeing some research that unless we change it before middle school or actually before high school um, then it's very hard to change that uh, percentage so we wanted to impact the society better so that we can have a little more diverse um, engineering population. And um, we've been testing a lot of different things, um, but Zumi, we made she so that female students can more uh, get be more uh, friendlier with Zumi. And then we we're hoping that from the small scale, we impact uh, the society for the better and having more female engineers. Hmm. You also uh, have that the other products, uh, robotics kits, your, your, your drone product as well. Quick question about the drone. This is something that I'm interested in as well. Is there anything different or uni- unique about programming a drone that kids could get compared to the programming like a, a robot that's on the ground? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Coltron was released it back in uh, 2016. Uh, so it, it's been a couple of years, and that's when drone was uh, kind of more coming to the market. Uh, so the concept of that you can program something and that it flies was just a big, <laughs> yeah. interesting point itself. Um, it's a lot more complicated when you are flying things uh, compared to things being on the ground. Um, but that's the main differentiator that your code will be something, you know, your your right code, something that can fly was the big differentiator. <laughs> can we see expect to see a drone that has AI in the future and machine vision and all of that? Um, so each of those concepts are pretty difficult. So making sure that, uh, having a stable drone that you can program itself is very hard thing. And then now we are experiencing with the AI where, um, doing AI education itself is very complicated topic itself. So Technically speaking, AI meets drone for engineers is not going to be too hard, but for students to 
control the AI while controlling drone sounds like a difficult idea. <laughs> so, so no Kickstarter in 2019 for that? Uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so Hansel, you bring up a point that I was thinking about. The technology involved in all of this is really complicated. I think it reflects technology in society, is how it's getting more complicated in general. I've heard teachers say that all the different science and engineering and, and technology, all the different skills that they might have to teach to their young students, their high school students, it, it's blowing up. There's just more standards, more opportunities. Uh, it can be great, but also overwhelming. How can people, how can students or teachers, how can they keep up with all this different technology? Because AI is new, and I'm sure there's going to be more new stuff coming out. What's reasonable about educating young people about all this? Um, so I think that's a very hard question as well. Um, but essentially, we we talk to a lot of teachers, and then it is very hard to keep keep up because there's new technology coming up all the time. But also teachers are very busy with just keeping up with their work as well. Um, so we've noticed that um, you know there's a lot of passionate teachers out there, but simply don't have enough time to go through these things. So I think at least for a company like us, I think that's where we can help to make, you know, provide all the curriculum so that teachers don't have to research as much as they should be. Um, but I don't know, there's there's a lot of different technologies and um, keeping up is hard. Uh, just learning how to do pr programming and coding five years ago was pretty big deal, but now it became a vocational skills that everyone's doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not an easy work to keep up with. Um, but I'm hoping that there's going to be more and more solutions that teachers can utilize and hopefully things are not going to be too expensive so that, um, teachers can easily pick and choose what to use in their curriculum. Mm. Speaking of expense, I mean, how much are your products and how can you, uh, expand access to your robot products? Sure. So uh, for our product lineup goes from about $120 to $180. So it's um, rel relatively cheaper compared to that it's a robotics platform. Um, that price also includes all the softwares and then the curriculum that we are providing, which aligns with the uh, uh, education standard like NGSS or Common Core standard and things like that. Um, so those are something that we've put it out there uh, so that it's not going to break your bank. <laughs> hmm. And uh, you know, who else does something like what you do, particularly with AI? Is there anyone that has an educational robot or educational system, I should say, teaching AI? Not that I'm aware of. So from my research, uh, there's a company called Udacity, uh, which is pretty popular. Uh, it, but it's mainly for not for kids, it's for adults. Um, so Udacity is a MOC MOOC uh, type of uh, website where 
you can learn different things and they have a strong AI curriculum there. But other than that, there's nothing that I've seen that teaches AI. There's a lot of AI-enabled toys out there, but yeah, not not that I'm aware of. Hmm. But that'll be interesting to see if other folks will follow what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, maybe it's out there, but uh, that's uh, so we were at CES recently, and uh, we actually as a small company we got a very big uh, award there um, for best of innovation award under robot. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And um, I, I think that might be the reason why we've got that because uh, as far as I can tell, there's no one that's teaching AI education for kids yet um, using this type of platform. Um, so, But I, I think a lot more people should get into it here and then because we need to teach AI the right way. So that's cool that you're thinking about it. And I have a feeling that, yes, your competition will be looking at you closely over the next couple of years. How do you think RoboLink is going to evolve or change from now? Um, so um, we, we have a very big mission. We've been teaching robotics and programming and now AI and AI itself, even for the industry, is very, um, you know, to me, it feels very new. Although it's been around from 1960s, I think it's finally catching up to the point where we can actually utilize that technology to something that we'll be filling in the daily lives. Um, so it's relatively new. And um, teaching that is going to be a very important mission. So we are we have very exciting year that's coming up. And um, we're hoping that every school in the nation will have Zumi there and then learning the basics of AI. And in order to make that happen, <laughs> it's going to be very busy year for our company. Good luck with that. <laughs> There's a lot of work, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. Um, you know... You had mentioned to me before that you were not born in the USA, but you studied here and you're living here now. Uh, do you mind telling me or telling us about where you come from and how you got interested in uh, STEM? Sure. Um, so I was born in Korea and then I came here um, after my middle school in Korea. So I came here uh, when I was ninth grader and then... Uh, my my father did um, IT related work as like a distributor and reselling semiconductor things like that. So that's how I naturally heard about Silicon Valley even when I was in Korea. Um, so that's how I kind of got into the technology, but I didn't get too much uh, experience for STEM. So essentially, I started tinkering around with uh, STEM kits when I was senior. That was like my first time touching Arduino. In high school? Oh, uh, no, senior in college, actually. In college, okay. So I didn't get too much ex uh, experience with STEM and um, still struggling with a lot of STEM things. So our engineers always explaining those things to me. Um, but uh, because I struggled but I was interested in STEM. I, I'm hoping that um, 
students that's growing up now won't be repeating uh, same experience that I've gone through. And I'm hoping they can actually get into it early so that they have they can enjoy this fun uh, STEM area. Is there a reason why you weren't really into it when you were younger? Is it something about uh, coming to the U.S. or or something in Korea that like I don't know di- didn't give you the opportunity for that? Sure. Yeah. So I mean, when I was in Korea, um, especially back then, there were hardly any resources out there to learn those uh, in a fun way. Uh, for we have to study first and then there's that much of this like after school activity that's uh, non-academic non-academics so um, the resources weren't there and when I came to America I was focusing on making sure learning the language and then uh, learning the social aspect (laughs) thing right so I join sports team to make sure that I can kind of fit into the American society and things like that. And that became kind of secondary. Um, And I was hoping that I could get those education when I go to, when I went to college. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, um, I, the major that I chose didn't really reflect it. So it didn't work out that well for me. But it's interesting that you now head up a company that is very highly uh, integrated with STEM and engineering. Yeah, I think it's a very important mission. And then, um, again, I wish I've gone through this experience and then um, I'm hoping <laughs> more of the students will be going through more fun experience with STEM, especially it's becoming more and more important. Um, so it's fun. I'm, I'm learning on daily basis. And then it's really, you know, because we run after school program here in San Diego, I see students coming in and them enjoying it. I I can totally see them, you know, whether they're going to become an engineer or not. Um, I see the joy in their eyes and it's, it's such a rewarding work that we're doing here. All right. Well, thank you for taking time out to speak to me, Hansel. I really appreciate it. If people want to find out more about not just Zumi, but what you're doing in general at RoboLink, how could people find out? So yeah, our website, robolink.com is probably the best way to find uh, out more information. And then we're going to be running Kickstarter for uh, about about, um, probably another month until March. Um, so you can you can probably get the discounted price for Zumi. Uh, it's MSRP at $180, but we are selling it for $120 right now. And yeah, if you can back us, that'd be awesome as well. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, Payo. That was Hansel Hong, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of RoboLink links to the Zoomi Kickstarter campaign, to Robolink, to the truth about that chatbot that created its own language, and to more things mentioned today are all listed in the episode's show notes. Check it out on your podcasting app or at the podcast website, k12engineering.net. Once again, huge thanks to you for listening. Thank you for sending me tips on who to talk to. Thank you for tweeting me, for sending me emails, and 
Thank you to the financial supporters of this show, including all the cool people who've been donating regularly on Patreon. Couldn't do it without you. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs, in Austin, Texas, where I support many different engineering and education projects like this one. You can support Pios Labs and this show by donating too. Just go to patreon.com slash pioslabs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. So stay tuned for the next podcast download soon.